Lorraine is is our is our guest goth for the week. I'm listening. Fraser reference. I'm listening. Oh yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> 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 more, 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 more Frasier references. Well, maximum Frasier. I, I had a binge. I had a, I had a binge <laughs> recently. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, You're um, Frasier side. On my way back from San Francisco, actually, I was on the plane and I watched the most fucking hilarious Frasier. It was Patrick Stewart was a guest. Do you remember oh, this one? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was losing my fucking shit. Like literally, I, I had made you know niceties with the people in my row before, <laughs> at, which not usually doesn't usually happen. Yeah, but yeah. we were like sharing that. Like it was weird. But anyway, um, this is so off brand for a goth. It was very off brand. Well, I benefited. <laughs> I got extra snacks because the gay at the end was flirting with the person, and then so I benefited from it. It wasn't just out of my kindness. But anyway, um, yeah, the Patrick Stewart episode. I was like losing. I was like crying, cry, crying. Laughing tears so loud, and then like I watched several in a row, and then at the end, then the, then the guy was like, he's like, yeah, you really watched a lot of Frasier. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Have you revisited Frasier? Do you know it's genius? Do you know how fucking like, funny it is? I hadn't really like deeply revisited in so long, and it was just like, yeah, it really took me there. I've watched yeah. Frasier in public a couple times recently. Crying. It's, it's really oh, yeah. aged so Crying well. Crying yeah. you're, you're just kind of like, man. It's aged better than Seinfeld. Maybe. Yeah, probably. It totally has. Well, yeah, Seinfeld, Seinfeld hasn't has aged very well. Weird racist jokes and misogyny. Sure. Yeah, rampant yeah, yeah, yeah. misogyny. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Seinfeld That's is true. terrifyingly misogynist. It yeah, is, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, the, the show literally, <clears throat> structurally is about how no woman is good enough for Jerry. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a, a, a neurotic Jewish white guy rejecting beautiful woman after beautiful woman for like like hey. the slightest imperfections. It's so yeah. misogynist. It's really yeah. why I. It's like it's like the root of why I don't like uh, Larry David. Okay, everybody, calm down. Yeah, yeah. That's... Everybody, <laughs> calm down. I. As the female Larry David Spick, female Spick Larry David, <laughs> which I am self-appointed and otherwise. Okay, if you have a problem with LD, you have a problem with me. No, I mean I appreciate his genius, like but I do think so he good. has weird views. I think he has. I have his views. We share all the views. I don't need. I don't but understand. You know, you're not a mis- You're. He has a misogynist streak that I definitely detect in all of his writing and all of his comedy. I don't find that I, I find it's that making I, women look like idiots. Like I think that he finds no, people joy in are that. idiots. Human people are idiots. I know, but I just that's feel... it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with like a male or female thing. That's why I feel like if anything, it's like you know in these episodes, I'm like I'm like that's me. That's what I would do or say, and often I've said. And then you it's know, an it's an exaggerated all these realism though, and I think it exaggerates it's in very the favor of being like, reality. oh, I'm so alienated. This crazy woman's doing some weird shit, and she's not so bright. I don't think it's specific to women, though. I don't. Yeah. I don't find that. To be I, the I case. think. I think Larry David definitely is more fundamentally misanthropic than he is misogynist. Yeah. But yeah. I do think there is a, there is a pretty strong misogynist streak that runs through a lot of it. I, I, think, I mean, I think more in Seinfeld than in yeah, in yeah. Curb, well, for in, sure. Curb is for just sure. Like yeah, yeah. my brain, absolutely. Out yeah, Cur- yeah. Curb was a lot of a, a lot of like conscious, deliberate atonement for Seinfeld. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're actually going to have a few not white people on the show. Like that is that is one of like the main kind of things that Curb kind of started with and ran with was like, yeah. okay, not everyone on the show. 
I don't know that they started with that. Though. I guess maybe they didn't start. They with worked it. up to probably that, the, but it, it was took de- a while. It, it was de- it was definitely like a major thing. Was like, okay, you are really going out of your way to have not white people on this show, and to feature and to feature women. Well, I get, uh, yeah. I, I mean, Susie was no, you know, wallflower. Yeah, yeah. Big powerful force there. She's meant to not be likable. See, you know? well, I find Cheryl, uh, yeah. that she's the one that's not likable. Yeah. Cheryl is the fucking annoying one. I think yeah, Susie's the sort of, she's always the, the reprimanding sort of Larry. compliment to yeah. Larry. They're both, they're, they're both actively Two calling people. Of the same yeah, they're both like calling people on their shit all the time. Tell and, it, telling it like it is. All right, sorry. Our guest is Back. still on the cupish. I'm moving on. what am i i don't know what i'm moving on to orange something i really don't want to alienate every listener of this podcast by pinot grigio from friuli we don't have to include this it's It's okay it's more like educating (laughs) it is educating it is educating it'd be nice to yeah no it's good i mean (coughs) our listeners know that we like to have a good time they absolutely like to hear katie's (laughs) sexy voice talk about wine i have a sexy voice since when I'm deliberately making it not sexy right now. Well, you got to get it. You, we got to get like a stereo mic for you. Katie's Katie's got a future career in wine ASMR. We Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Katie, right, Rochelle could take more remember. flattering photos of me. I've got it. <laughs> Listen, if it's going to turn into a photo shoot, I'm going to, yeah, I can, I can get into that too. <laughs> Where's my full length mirror? Uh, my, my rider was not attended to. I need a full length mirror. Here. Yeah, you have uh, you have two uh, bathrooms here. Uh, well, one has one. bubble wrap in the bathtub. Analog bubble bath wrap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is this uh, BCB 007 or what? Just give it a second, Sean. <laughs> we got to open it up, but we have some sidebar here. That's. Are we ready? Yep. <laughs> Welcome to episode seven of Basecamp Beta. Uh, this is Chris. I'm Sean. This I'm is the other Chris. Oh, Jesus Christ, Chris. Redo, redo. <laughs> Fucking redo, timing. Redo. Timing is know. everything, guys. Uh, I'd like to uh, welcome our guest for this week. Uh, it's Lorraine. It's Lorraine. Hi. El Sangre, Lorraine Sangre. I'm here. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming. What do you do? Uh, who are you? Hmm. You okay. kind of worn every hat in the game, really. I mean, you DJ, you have a little record label, you okay. produce a little bit, a little you bit. have promoted parties, you've worked at clubs. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I'm in this. Um, yeah, I, I DJ, uh, I do have a, a little label, I have a little project, uh, a little uh, music project. Myself and Silent Servant called Limit Experience. Um, the record label is called Orden Ecstatica. Um, really, just have the one record that we released, another one coming in the summer. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's been ready forever, obviously, but you know how things go. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, DJing, mostly the thing. I have fucking been involved in nightlife in one way or another for centuries. Um, and Lorraine is a vampire, by the way. That's, by the way, if if, <laughs> if if that wasn't obvious, sorry. If you guys were not familiar already, um, when she says century, she means I centuries. Mean it. Yeah. I'm about three thousand years old. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I did at some point. I did parties and whatnot, and that's just treacherous. So I just show up now. Uh huh. I, I show up. That's all. 
That's the goddamn truth. <laughs> That's all I want to do. Um, she shows up unlike you, Chris. God damn. Sorry. Um, yeah. That's me. I have a lot of opinions. Let's get into the alien nation. My main life's interest is pursuing or being involved in music to the most extent that I can. Um, I'm not paying my bills this way and I'm not, I would never want to have to sacrifice like my, like my, I'm doing air quotes, morals or principles to like make money and off of like music. I want to maintain like my artistic integrity or whatever my idea of like my artistic integrity is. Sure. I think Um, that's a really resonant question for a lot of artists right now. Yeah. And, and I mean, it should be, um, so, I mean, my background, uh, I mean, I've always cared very much about music and and been involved to the extent of like, you know, even if it was just like going to parties or like whatever, and that's like a much smaller extent. But, um, you know, my background is definitely like informed by a lot of like, you know, punk rock ideals, even though I'm not like punk rock per se, but like in my formative years like this this is punk in spirit i'm punk in spirit um yeah it's just like you know i still think of things in terms of like you know not wanting to sell out and uh it is very important to me to like be real and that sounds like sort of trite in a way but for me that bleeds over into well if we're talking about like the you know the current state of yeah of of uh you know Nightlife, or I don't remember how exactly. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nightlife, whatever or it is, like, like basically, like I have a lot of like, you know, I, I'm like not worried about um, like being liked or like fitting into things necessarily, and I think that um, the way that things kind of work, maybe not just in New York, maybe like mm-hmm. everywhere, but especially in New York has a lot to do with like, like social niceties and like playing playing the game yeah. or whatever and I don't really do that like I'm like I'm fine if like people vampires don't play games vampires don't no. play games but we just slay people <laughs> and drink their fucking blood well you mentioned you mentioned like this idea of being real and 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 not selling out um and I I think one thing that we've tried to touch on in the podcast is that y- you say it's kind of you you sort of you sort of couch that and being like oh this is maybe a little trite or a little contrived to say but you know I I want to be real or whatever but I, I really think it's something that's so critical and something that has really gone by the wayside um, yes yeah. this whole idea of you know I I, I feel like um, we've talked about it a couple of times and especially uh, with with um, someone like Cindy on our on our episode about um, that focused a bit on corporate influence um, mm. the 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 idea of of being sort of real um, or, you know, not selling out, I, I feel is, I don't know, in a way totally just disappeared um, where people are just like, no, 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 like everything you do is great. Um, everything, every like opportunity you can have is worth pursuing. Any, right, just anything, take that. Anything you do for money is totally justified because yeah, that exactly. is... Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, when, when that I... Is the, that is the ultimate goal. Because you're an artist. You're the most oppressed person there is right. you know like right. And, right. Right. and you know when i say that it sounds i mean it's rationalizing sounds, it, selling out by by 
kind of uh, ju- justification of selling out by self-marginalization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, yeah, so, it, I mean, when I say that it, it's, it sounds trite to... It sounds trite to just say that and not really adhere to it. And I feel like there's a lot of, there's an abundance of um, saying that, but then participating in things that are completely mm-hmm. at odds with that. And and there's a lot of pushing that forward in this really like uh, hypocritical way mm-hmm. that goes on. And it's fucking stupid. Yeah, me. I mean, it, it maybe it may is a bit ridiculous but honestly i i think it's worth asking like just for you what does selling out mean what does being real mean that's a pretty large question but i guess yeah, like I, in I mean, terms it, it of, definitely is yeah but. um so i have a i have a big problem with the fact that a lot of the way that things are now and the the uh, something that's like very normal now is that music seems kind of secondary to all of this other fucking bullshit. And like, I have a huge problem with that. Um, and you know, in thinking of it in terms of like identity politics, it's like, there's, there are a lot of, um, ways that people have organized themselves, um, to push themselves forward now where in, in, in the world of music, where it seems that the music is secondary. Like yeah. what are what are you what do you guys even do? Okay, great. You're all feminists or like whatever, but like so what what kind of music do you guys play? Like before I don't know, like um it just like it's a problem for me. I it's mm-hmm. it's and, and it's become this this normal uh this normal way of like pushing things forward and it's just we're just like losing. So I guess what it's all about, and that that's not that's not real to me, and that's not like it's not punk to me. You would you would define authenticity as like commitment to some set of values as instilled by some kind of aesthetic parameters, like some kind of music. Uh... I mean, well, we're talking about it with regard to music, right? Like, if it was something else, then it would should be about something else. Like, if we were, you know, like if this if we were talking about like art movements, then. You know, the, the, sur- the surrealists were sticking together because they were surrealists and not because they were all like men of a certain age and blah, blah, blah. It was about like whatever their 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 actual like artistic movement was about, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Chris, I was speaking over you. No, that's okay. good. That's good. But, and, and, and I completely on board with what you're saying. And I think the way the way that I've been thinking about lately is that subculture as a as an organizing force or, a, or or as a way that people relate to each other seems to have been subsumed almost entirely by, I guess I would call it monoculture, but that doesn't really do it justice. But it just seems like the nuances that went into the kind of artistic expression that people made uh, that, for instance, attracted me to industrial music in the very beginning when I was when I was growing up. That just doesn't. I don't know that that kind of energy, that kind of spirit. I'm not seeing it as much anymore because I totally every, agree with that. Everything is kind of accessible to everyone immediately, always, and so this flattening of like something of. You you have flattening of, you, you you have flattening of access, but also a flattening of uh, of of yeah of, of sort of yeah, aesthetic yeah, priorities. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There, there there's like a flattening of 
aesthetic and of expression in a way that is that I just don't know what to do with. I don't know what to think about it. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's there, there's a lot there's a lot of flattening that goes on. There's um, also the the kind of erasure of the kind of uh, insider and outsider. I think that's true that the that the distinction between insiders and outsiders has been obliterated. And I think for a lot of people, that's a good thing. I think for a lot of, especially younger people that I meet, they're all about this kind of obliteration of um, barriers to entry. Yes. But I think, and, and, and I think there is something <coughs> to be said for that. I think there is a lot of value in open access to uh to to culture and to arts and to music i think but at the same at at the same time i think we're losing something kind of critical in that in that in that flattening yeah i mean i think um the 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 if you can call widening like widening the scope of what we're taking in and um what young gen z and young millennial um people active in music, DJs included, um, the way that they kind of view aesthetics and stuff like that. Um, it's not wholly like um, dismissible, but at the same time, they don't realize, I feel like, um, how that actually changes how all of us grew up um, consuming being parts of uh, being parts of subcultures, I feel like they, they don't really subculture. know what exactly. that means. Um, and 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 then they're wanting to dismiss like our entire like mode of um, participating and our our relating to music and culture, which is, um, if anything, they would have something to gain from our perspective, and yet it's often um, dismissed as being um, uh, gatekeepery. And the like, and it's. I think that's a just a really shallow reading yep. of what people who grew up in in a slight in a pretty different time. It's slightly different, but then when you think about it, it's actually pretty different. Um, it's very different, yeah. for sure. I don't think that people. Oh God, it's just gonna sound old, but like the kids today don't know. Like it's like there's not really like <laughs> subcultures in the same way because things are so like and everything is i feel like as a as a as a mid to late millennial um in my early to mid 30s um i caught the very tail end of that kind of um participation in subculture um you know i worked in a record store um i just had a different view and i respected the sort of um your know. elders? You respected your elders? I respected my elders. <laughs> no, I was just afraid. <laughs> Completely that's respect. That's, that's, that's what respect is, is fear. Exactly. Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to make a g- completely, like, <coughs> grand a statement. Totally rosy picture here, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not all roses, and it's not something that I'm completely nostalgic about, but I do realize that um, it does inform my involvement in music com- completely and um For sure. i revere music in a in a different way although i feel like you know as as i'm being more active um with modern social media platforms and being more active in the current contemporary landscape um 
I have grown to appreciate and or think about things like um, modern trends in um, pop culture and stuff in a way that when I was a teenager and I was working at a record store and I was finding out about cool weird music and you know I actually was blowing my mind listening to to weird sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you mean that you that you how does it how is it different um, now? You pay attention to yeah, I'm kind popular of, things more. Yeah, like I'm I'm kind I'm of I kind of have my I kind of have my eye on things that are going on because I'm participating in these social media platforms and the way that news and culture and if you call it that are all kind of like filtered through, through this tech landscape. I feel like at this time I'm kind of like kind of neutral about it. I'm kind of like taking things in as they come along and also just using that as a um as a point of entry to understand the moment that we're in, mm-hmm. you know. So we don't think it's wholly negative, you know. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that 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 points again to this to this flattening where where for for younger people uh who have you know, who are essentially, uh, and this is a, a mildly cringeworthy term, but essentially digitally native, um, that that the the the, the barriers between um, you know underground and mainstream culture are, are largely erased because you, you access all these things through the same through the same platforms. Exactly. You, same you access, exactly. Do you like, think of that as a positive thing or a negative, or, or don't? Find uh, it's, there to be it's, a it, it has aspects of both. Like uh, you it's know, just different. Yeah, yeah I, I think. It's. I think it's negative in ways that are overlooked. Um, people tend to frame this as a universally positive thing. I that like, 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 like access is great. Yeah, it's, it's right. it, Like, like, it's it's great that you know certain gatekeepers are dead, and that's it's true that certain it's great that certain uh, you know kind of stodgy calcified cultural institutions are are you know kind of uh, you know done. Um, at the same time, like there are there are there are a lot of negative or kind of problematic. Um, things that have sprung from this like extreme democratization of access, we tend to overlook what has been lost. Um, I can't. Help I definitely feel, like feel the sense we're of in loss. The midst I think. of a great experiment in shifting the way that we relate to cultural expression, that we have no idea what the outcome will be like. I, I, I just can't feel it. I, I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like we're in the midst of. Um, Changing our modes of understanding culture without understanding the repercussions. In a way, just that's a way not, of saying that we're in the midst of a paradigm shift. In, in, in a way that's uh, that that eerily parallels, uh, you know, the humankind's effect on uh, on on the biosphere. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ecosocialism. Segue. <laughs> that's the name of the, the, name of the game here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so I was just saying that I think we're in the midst of this kind of reconfiguring of the way we understand and access culture. And I don't think we, any of us can really understand what the outcome is going to be because it's happening before our eyes. Right. Right. And it's happening so rapidly that we can't understand the repercussions until it's maybe too late. What does too late look like? Well, that's a, I don't know. I mean, I wish I had the answer to that, but I mean, I think of the way that, well, there's there, there's no there's no going back, regardless. So it's already too late, no matter what happens. Sure. Well, I don't know about that. I'm. I mean, I don't know about that. I think. I don't know that we can really turn back a lot of these. Yeah, we're not going to like. No, we we're not going to erase can't. social media or like stop stop Spotify. 
right, but I think it's Unfor- not well, stop is Spotify. Or, just, <laughs> the only way to stop is not to not start. Well, I don't know what you guys are doing with the podcast. I don't know how that works, but like to not start, like I don't have a Spotify. We're not going to stop the like streaming services. Right. Well, you just not. I mean, if, unless you don't stop. participate in them, we're not really going to stop the fucking Game of Thrones discussion occurring on the same exact website as discussions of, you know, the newest Mikavania record. Right. Yeah, Ugh, that's sad. I mean, I do think it's possible that at some point in the future we will figure out a way to reconfigure our, our communities in a way that... that, that Reorganize I, and get somewhere else or what? Like. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah. Like that would, I, that would be great. I mean, honestly, even like recently, like so I like deleted... Sorry, I'm totally going to interrupt you. Like I deleted no, Facebook for like a little bit and... I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And, and but then the, you got back on. And then I got back because it's like I still had to like – I had to communicate to this person. And yeah. it's like I tried to like uh, investigate and like find somebody's email address or like get their phone. Like it's so annoyingly – it's just like annoying extra steps. And then uh, I don't know. It's it's hard. Katie, but, Katie and I were off Facebook for a full year and it was great. It's great. It was just like, oh. We, you live in the world. One more weird little thing I don't have to think about. I'm thing. not like clicking stupidly yeah. on stupid stuff. Um, and then, like after about like ten months, eleven months, it started getting like, "Hey, uh, I feel like weirdly out of touch from all my friends. I don't really know what's going on. It's, I don't know when parties are happening." I liked most of the not knowing what was going on, but it was like <laughs> well, I, at, no, this, at this point, I really would truly. But but the like the immediacy of like okay, like maybe it's not just somebody you're like terribly people. close yeah, yeah, to, yeah. and you just like needed to talk about a thing really yeah. quickly. Yeah. But one thing that I found, especially like for like the artist pages for like the you know, you're like, you know, band, yeah, yeah. DJ page I don't, or whatever. I don't fuck with that. That's, that's well, uh, you know, I had, you know, I, I do. I have to do some kind of a thing for that. And it's like, it's so annoying because you kind of, I guess you've just disproven my point. I was going to say you have to do that. But I guess Sean was eleven to the need to do that. I, well, uh, I probably should. <laughs> he have. should. Like, he, I, probably, I, he probably should, Sean. I have, I, ha- I have no career to speak of. So. <laughs> oh, come now. Um, but it's, it's really annoying that there actually isn't a website that, or like a, some kind of other like hub like ra is just like fine like you can it shows your events or whatever but like there isn't like a space that's just for like your artist page where you can like right put like a video up or like a clip or whatever that isn't so socially annoyingly yeah, Facebook yeah. involved it's i wish there was i wish there was a you know soundcloud yeah you can put just the clip but it's not like you couldn't just put information like i wish there sure. was actually yeah. a place that was just yeah, sort of for that. But and something that isn't, isn't just like totally buried by the algorithm. And if somebody thinks about that, because I just gave them the idea, I want the credit and dollars. Proceeds. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I should make somebody make that. Um, I do. Just <laughs> giving you're, out you, all my soul yeah, over here. You're, you're, you're talking with a uh, with your with your Silicon Valley hookup right here. Oh, let's <laughs> yeah. Let's hey, talk. Let's talk. I got some ideas. I mean, I do think that the next step in the way we organize our communities is going to be basically like a decentralized offline. Media. I think we're going to. Well, uh, we no, do I don't think. No. Wait, wait, wait. I got happen. this. I got this, guys. I got this. Blockchain. <laughs> but for raves. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, uh, not even, I'm not even talking about That is about the worst blockchain. joke ever, Sean. <laughs> I wish it were a joke. I am loving Sean's enjoyment of that. I mean, look, I, I live in San Francisco, so this is the kind of shit that I hear. I every know it's. Do you have to blockchain it's it's into, into the rave? 
I'm just inured to it. Like, I, it just doesn't even phase me anymore. I'm just like, yeah, okay, all right, whatever, dude. Yeah. I, but, I, but, I, I do think you're right that uh, people are going to start to look, look more and more for alternatives to social media. Yeah, um, I would. I would love. I wish we could have. That. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I mean, I'm like I said. Like I'm like a wannabe luddite. Like I, I'm on the internet, but I also still like try to weirdly like cater it to be less involved. Like it's like the social part of the social networking yeah. that I don't like. Like I basically. So when I went back onto this terrible LinkedIn, it's all about LinkedIn. <laughs> I oh hell yeah! We should have no, grave flyers on LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah, I, so, <laughs> like oh man, we got uh, we got fuck. It's gonna come back to Dormouse, but yeah, we got <laughs> we got Dormouse and Mark uh, a Payne playing, uh, and uh, you know you just gotta all the info is on LinkedIn, and you have to have a hundred plus uh, tech industry contacts to get to the party. Uh, sounds like a nightmare. Does this not sound good? Nightmare. Sounds like weird. I thought this was a good idea. Oh my god! But <laughs> well, um, so I have a feeling that we're gonna change the way that we organize ourselves so, um, socially online, and I have a feeling that if we can ever figure that out, that will lead to a change in the way that we consume culture online. That's my theory, based on. Is there any no way evidence. for us to to organize? Offline? No, we're just done with that. Realistically, no. I okay. think that cat is so far out of the bag, and like, it's, it's sad. yeah. I mean, and I mean, oh, I mean, people do is, people do organize parties with like little to no online presence. Like those things do exist. Sure, but I do think there is a huge value to the way that the internet has connected all of us. Like, yeah, all of us. Like all of you guys, I know basically because of of the internet. And I yeah, mean, all yeah. of the music in my life, I've basically been introduced to because of the internet, because of my nerd friends that I met early on who, like, sent me fucking coil MP3s, and I would stay connected on my on my parents' 28.8 modem, and I would fucking download that shit coil overnight. Who MP3s, Chris? <laughs> who? <coughs> Katie that was a Yeah, that was a different way of... Uh, no, but I, I want to know who was sending you the coil MP3s because I had a coil mentor in my teen years also. Oh, yeah? Shit. But yeah, yeah Chris, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, we're just a bunch of little piss pigs on this podcast. We like to rail about, <laughs> against the internet, but we love it. We, we, I, well, it. I, we I rely on it so I, I mean, heavily. Again, this is what I was saying. Like, yeah, I do love it, but I still... I, I now try to cater it to be your less... less yeah, yeah. I, like, I basically like... Twitter, I like block strangers I don't know because it it makes you see other people's things. Like I don't want to see that. Like your friend is my stranger. Like I don't want to know what's going on, and I will just like block and unfollow and block like just so that I have my own little demented world of just leftist politics, my three friends, and some cat stuff. Like that's all I'm seeing on there. But you know, I'm not really tweeting about leftist politics. And I assume You are one of the three friends. I assume I'm not muted. Um I respond to you, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> You're I one of the tweet, three friends that I have. I tweet music jokes and thing jokes about how I'm like tired and exhausted. I mean, I'm basically just talking to myself out loud for the last ten years. Are that's all, all I'm doing. Like really. Some schmuck that I don't know is listening for some reason. That's the whole purpose, right? <laughs> I don't know why, honestly. <laughs> I guess go, going back to what you were saying about uh, kind of pruning Keeping or, it real. or sculpting your social media feed. <laughs> yeah, um, I know it's weird, but 
Well, no, I, I think I mean I, I think this is something we all do, and we're like increasingly conditioned to do, and uh, increasingly have to do. Because it like, it wants you to see all this extra stuff. Like it wants you to engage. Like think about any possible, even if you want to fucking buy a face cream or like whatever it is. They're like, do you want to get? Do you want to sign up with your Facebook? Like, no, motherfucker, I don't. I want to get this also, and be out. That's like, also what they want you to do too, right? Like, that's what it, I'm saying. It, it, like, they, I mean, they, they want you to they want you to curate and kind of sculpt your own feed too, though. But they want you to get more involved and like engaged in like you know any site like the, any kind of particular thing. I, I don't know. I mean, I just said face cream, but like whatever it is that you buy or like a site that you need to go to, where you have no business or no need to like get involved socially in this product or affair. Yeah, it like wants you to do that. They want you to join the conversation. They and by want that they mean to... interact with brands, right? Which like no. I guess that kind of uh, harks back to what I was thinking about. In that, I just feel like we are missing the decentralization of our cult of underground culture that was uh, part and parcel of what I experienced when I was growing up. And now we only basically have, you know, we have like three platforms. We have Facebook, we have Spotify, we have Google, we have Twitter. Everything has to has to go through one of those channels or it may as well not exist. I don't know. Face, I, don't I mean, know. is Facebook like much longer for this world? I mean, certainly as like a... Be nice Facebook is not going away, but it's definitely... They're like, not going away, but in terms of like use, I mean, it's basically all just boomers on there now. And, and the boomers are even kind of... They're kind of even tapering They're off. Kind of, I mean, Facebook, like, ad, like the website you visit. I mean, I looked at my memories. That's how they get you. I looked at my memories today. It's like, oh, memories, and I was like, oh, I said something hilarious. <laughs> Actually, I did repost it. I said something hilarious. <laughs> Good work. To, like somebody quoted me on saying something, and I was like, damn, I am. They funny. know how to get you. That's how they get you. Contribute to the feed. Yeah. yeah. Um. Or first, whatever, first or just, just have to or like your, or or your like you know photos. Obviously, just like it, 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 it goes for your the narcissism. Sure, like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like, hey, that's what it's using. It's, yeah, right? it's like, like hey, you were like with your friends and looked good at this time like a year ago, and man, wouldn't that be cool? Like if you were with your friends and looking good again. Remember those friends? That you <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're what was that like, like when you had them? You're just like looking around. You're like, ah, shit. I think one very tangible negative outcome that that has resulted or that has come about as of all this sort of platform centralization is it has really changed the way that people gather in person. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are so Everyone's used afraid to. Of each other. You know, just look at fucking, okay, here we go. Look at fucking Boiler Room. You know, we're we're used to looking at a video feed before we go somewhere. Or we're used to, we, you used to have to show up to fucking be around people that were like you. Have you ever seen a great dance move on a Boiler Room? Chris, Chris has I done a couple of them. I certainly have not. <laughs> look, know. you know, you, you, you go out to a Boiler Room, your friend's playing, it's like a gabber party. <laughs> No, but I, I really like CZ's point about um, how our social media and platform 
centric ways of relating to each other really does change the way that we physically relate to each other in uh, in real life. I have a lot. Everyone's of just afraid of each other, and they think they have these built-up ideas of who the other person is built on their profile and their feed yeah, yeah. and all this on their notoriety and all their comments. But even just- I'm I'm certainly not in- intimidated by anyone, but I also was antisocial before these social things yeah but i think it's even more concrete in the in in the way in which you know uh i have a lot of friends who i michelle says fear is okay but i i really want her to comment on this yeah i i think fear is all right fear is in like a social sense you mean no not in a social sense i feel like in a primordial sense Mm. humans have always had fear and we need to just understand what our fear means when we have it because it's interesting to have fear and i feel f- like fear is exciting folks this is i'm this not is mad Rochelle's, at that. this is rochelle's deep corner was that your Rochelle, debut I you completely talk- doesn't come along you. every every so often but when it, but when it does it's, i didn't it's, mean to come no, off like, not like everyone should just banish fear but it but i'm saying it does change it and it's more that people cower cowering is more just like hiding is a reaction to fear, exactly. But what, yeah. what, when you're saying this, are you talking about like not wanting to socially engage? What is the Yeah, fear? I feel like people don't know how to just um, sit with it, if you will, and, and just face um, interface with people. I, I don't like interfacing with like just everybody. So like I'm not scared of it. I just have like having these like internet friendships or like we're like we're friends or like connections. I'm like, this is making me dislike people even more that I find would be more annoying uh, but, if anything you know, like, it would be better um, if I didn't have to see I this proceed shit. with caution and usually I consider people my friends when I've had multiple interactions with them in person it's just another like universe I, I feel I wanted to loop back around to uh, a little a little while ago you were talking about uh, we were all talking about kind of interacting with brands on social media yeah and I, I wanted to uh, kind of pose the question like or not pose the question so much. Just kind of, I, I want to throw this out there that, um, you know, uh, I think again, this uh, like a, a kind of flattening occurs on social media. We're we're conditioned to interact with these brands as if they're people, mm. which I think uh, reinforces a kind of brand subjectivity, mm-hmm. um, where we treat ourselves as brands and our peers as brands. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's yep. fair. And true. I think that's that's a that's a kind of contributing. Uh, factor to to this kind of climate of fear and kind of distrust. Mm. Let's talk about music because um, L- Lorraine brought some fucking cuts to the table. I want the the the, the, the music I want to talk about with Lorraine is the music that I think is the most important Lorraine music to talk about, <laughs> which is Chris and Cozy. It's very important music for, uh, for everyone for our listeners. I would Lorraine's think. cats. Can you introduce us to your family? My daughters. Who just mm-hmm. celebrated their seventh birthday? This Happy birthday! Weekend, Happy birthday. cozy and Fanny Tutti Sangre. They're adorable. The lights of my life. Um, which, by the way, Cozy herself has s- seen photos of the cats, and she yeah. approves. I know <laughs> there's some great. other people that think that they've called their cats Cozy and what, but no, they're wrong. Um, <laughs> they're wrong. <laughs> Cozy, cozy, cozy asked for photos of them, and Aww. she said that they were beautiful, which is true. Um, yeah, but so Chris and Cozy.
it's such a hard it's and intense so track. Good. Like, it's so good. Like, it's so, like, manic. It's you know? so... That record is more um, proto-shoegaze than a lot of, like... It's, like, it's like yeah. guitar-y bass. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think so. Um, There's a melange of, you know... I don't ever try to pigeonhole Chris and Cozy because I know it's that... It's impossible to. Yeah, there's they're a wide range. With an album, which... I respect and I completely um, use as sort of like a template. You're not making music to like make a commercial record. You're making music no. to sort of express something. Explore. That's, explore. Like. Have a set of parameters and just go in mm-hmm. and be in this deeply personal realm. And that mm-hmm. that's what makes the music so unique. And it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, it's something that... Uh, Chris and Cozy, especially on some of these early records that they did together uh, outside of TG, um, these are, I mean, the, they they sort of, they really predict a lot of forthcoming trends. I mean, I, yeah. I think you're totally right to say that uh, this track, Reeducation Through Labor, really does kind of start to touch on that sort of shoegaze wall of sound thing. Yeah. Whereas other tracks of theirs... You hear, I mean, there's like the more famous synth pop, or yeah, more or there's like, the like there's the famous Dancing Ghosts track from the um, <laughs> from the CTI LP that is basically just an acid house track uh, from eighty two sure. or eighty three or something. I mean, so many, so much of their music um, feels so prescient and yet um, so innocent in a way. It's it sort of like yeah, innocent and not not even like self-congratulatory it's just no. like not precious just we were fucking around and here's yeah, just this like thing. this is what we're doing yeah yeah, yeah. And i admire that so much and i'm so happy that you brought that to the table I, I i think it's really great how they they balance that that kind of innocence and that naivete and honesty with also uh, just a, a a really high degree of like polish and sophistication too. oh yeah 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 for sure. well yeah it's like i mean chris carter like yeah, had had those tools already, and that was being like exhibited in, you know, but but Robin like, like era. I mean, they're still doing it, still yeah. doing it, like yeah, just yeah. I mean, 40, new things in the same line. Forty and, year, for, for more than forty years in experimental ish music is, is it's crazy. Is, is pretty pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, trance is particularly a really interesting record of theirs too. It 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 is a little kind of further reaching than some of their later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the later albums, which are are more kind of a tunnel vision on a specific sound. Yeah, I really appreciate texturally what they accomplish with that record. Yeah, um, and I like as I said, I think it does kind of lay a lot some some groundwork. Not that maybe they weren't the only ones kind of doing that in the early eighties, but they did it. They did it really well. really well. They did it really well. I mean, so you know, and it's it's definitely an, I feel like an underrated record absolutely you know? i mean yeah. you have like this sort of like kind of dreamy sort of synth poppy adjacent uh passages in parts of the tracks you have this sort of like proto weirdo techno thing you yeah the have, kind of ethno tribally yeah. yeah which i guess you kind of have a little bit in cowboys in cuba and, yeah. and some of the other tracks um but yeah then this track is just this sort of like wailing just kind of monster of like weird rhythms shifting and out of focus and then just these like harsh sounds these guitars just like i mean it's just like impaling you yeah it's just yeah. such an intense uh track to listen to and and y'all think y'all think guitars are coming back in 2019 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 In, in I mean, yeah. in in different usages, it could be Rochelle so Grace. She's a great guitarist. <laughs> Nihar played the sickest set at fucking Mutech San Francisco with a he with, it was on actual guitar, but he made his modular sound like a guitar, and it was like a fucking wayfolders man, like doom metal riff <laughs> in the middle of his set. And That's it was sick. Fucking perfect. That's sick. It was legit. Nice. And I mean, speaking of guitars. The track that I got stuck on, Lorraine, was that uh, Mark Clifford Seafield remix of Cocteau Twins. I spent like two hours listening to that just on repeat. Okay, so <laughs> you when, know how to push Chris's button. When I was <laughs> when I was when I was asked about like you know like a record to to choose, I actually went and looked at my like most played things on iTunes, uh-huh. and that that re- that Seafield remix um, was was the most played. What do you nice. think? What do you think? What do you think is a, is, uh, is the, the the key thing the about thing it that, that really it? makes you coming back? I I mean I don't know honestly like I mean my I'm I am just a little baby egg novice child in terms of like producing so a lot of times like my um, response to music or like my draw has just literally it's just been like guttural it's just been like instinctual where I'm like what like why does this make me want to just cry or like whatever you know it's just it's just like sweating or bleeding like i don't it's i don't I have feel the, these things and i, I, feel I don't know what's things. up but yeah. yeah that's like how i respond to things a lot like more so than like oh well this particular sound like i don't know but uh so you, you like the song it makes you feel I good like- what i love about it is how the er- original track has the craziest fucking lyrics they like make no sense but they're <laughs> I mean, all, all the Cocteau Twins lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that remix just just takes one vocal phrase from the track and just, and just repeats loops it, it yeah. and repeats it and just dives into it. And it's it really reminds me, actually, a lot of uh, Greg Araki movies and the way that he uses shoegaze tracks to build his vibe. It just, like... Listening to that track made me feel like I was watching Nowhere all over again, which is the highest compliment that I can give, essentially. (laughs) Here's a question. So, speaking of kind of repetition of uh, of words, um, so this song is built around a a repetition of a nonsense phrase. Mm -hmm. Um, If you repeat a word to yourself enough, it stops meaning anything. You can say Batman to yourself for two <laughs> hours and it will cease meaning anything. If you say a, a nonsense phrase, do, what what meanings does that accrue? I mean, that's like going into trance. That's exactly and I and I think for for me, this has always been my interest in music. Um, music um, is non-semantic. At least the music that we're all interested in. It it, it is not. Yeah, is not it is not preoccupied with um, semantic meaning with with you know, words and with um, understanding the language, it is a sort of language outside of semantics. Mm. Through that repetition, 
it will it is sort of um, a, a meaning will establish itself. Yeah. Um, this is and this is a, a I you know I I really stress to um, to assert that this is a very very old idea. Um, I mean, this is deeply religious. Exactly what you're saying. Exactly. Like, I mean, as a I I former, yeah, this former, is this is your thing. Yeah, yeah. Student like that. That's that that this kind of thing is used almost as an exercise a lot of times to to get oneself into yeah like a trance state mm-hmm. or into a um just such a such a state where you are disassoci- disassociated but then um focused from just like yeah like the repetition of sound and then you are so tuned in that you are kind of like releasing yourself and being very open to right. like exactly the other yeah and, and i mean that i think that's kind of what unites a lot of us in uh, as as sort of music lovers and musicians is that you know we inherently derive meaning from sounds that have no meaning um yeah. we we listen to things that um do not have a semantic meaning and we uh feel we something create meaning out of them. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. and this is this is something as old as time um this is something that was understood a long time ago um that repetition of sounds and repetition of phrases that that meant nothing um or that 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 have no real meaning um take on something right um, or haven't been assigned or exactly. meaning and so kind of like Sean saying you know taking a one line or a, a very minute phrase um, from a song and looping it over and over again um, is something is a very very is is to me a, re- a really strong um, and really touching uh, way of collapsing this idea taking a semantic phrase looping it over and over again to the point where the semantic meaning dissolves because you've heard totally, it so yeah. often and and you're just kind of yeah, Batman. I mean, you're just kind of like, and then you get lost, and then you allow you yourself get, to be open and get lost in that, right? Exactly, and, and just the the sounds the that are being made, transcendent. You know? Then yeah, it's exactly. transcendent. Yeah. Well, in, in in the case of the Cocteau Twins, this is extra extra kind of a well. There's a there's an additional layer of a kind of semantic dis like disfiguring because mm-hmm. uh, the words themselves initially didn't mean anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Totally. You know what I love uh, thinking about? <laughs> Sorry. In a non sequitur here, but talk about Liz Fla- Liz Frazier and how fucking cool she is. Oh my um, god! But like, I heard that she's like a complete neat freak. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, That's not where I expected to <laughs> yeah, go with yeah. Liz Frazier. I feel like if you like, well, yeah, she's like a she's like a completely neurotic neat. Well, she's freak. been listening to Jordan Peterson lectures. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? So no, I just. Uh, okay, I, a friend of ours who <laughs> definitely should go on the pod Clean told me a story about the her pod from yeah, uh, told me a story about like um, encountering her in like you know uh, probably like late eighties early nineties or something, and um, she's a bit of like a shut in. In a neat freak, she's yeah, definitely she's very something private. None of us can relate. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah, but I. Every time I think about like my mental health being slightly askew, askew, I think I just think about Liz Frazier, and I'm just like, I think it's okay. Okay, but do you remember separately? This is unrelated completely, and now this is a real tangent. What I told you about regarding her and Jeff Buckley's love affair, and it makes me want to cry. 
did you ever see this? There's a documentary about Jeff Buckley and like they had this like, I don't know, I guess it wasn't a secret, but they had this like very intense and brief romance and um, like they used to like read each other's diaries and it was like so intense and like it's like the most tragic beautiful love story did just, you watch it yet you have no, to fucking see I just think it she's oh my an god amazing artist and yeah, i she will is. always respect whatever she does and i cannot fucking wait to see massive attack, massive attack i know live. well but it was <gasps> rescheduled what happened okay we're really going off on we're going <laughs> yeah I, I mean i'm there I'm fucking going I, I already have the tickets i so i'm going i am going i am gonna go all I right i really hope so you can be there because i'm gonna it's gonna be life-changing all right sorry we've i'm gonna cry for sure all right Katie loves to cry at concerts. I love to cry. <laughs> I you know, I just I like to be real with my feelings, going back to being real. And sometimes that's crying. Sometimes that's anger. My, I don't know. My parents are well speaking of 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 uh, trans like states. My parents are transcendental meditators. Oh, and, that's different. Uh, really? Yeah. Isn't, yeah, that, yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that like a like a David Lynch thing? That, well, I, yeah. th- that's exactly what I was about to bring up. Um uh, my parents took me and Katie and my brother, who was then uh, ill with a brain tumor to a David Lynch Foundation concert at Radio City Music Hall. This was in 2008 or 2009? Nine. 2009. And uh, this is speaking of Katie crying at concerts. It was the first time that Ringo and Paul had been on stage together in 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, we're there with my parents and my aunt. And uh, Katie uh, is there. The tears just start flowing. She's she's seeing Ringo and Paul together singing some songs, Beatles song. I don't know. I, I it was some amazing music. This isn't a Beatles cast, so you don't Do have you... to know the specifics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like not into the And uh, my aunt turns to Katie and says, "Ringo really can't sing, Kenny." <laughs> and Katie says, "This is tears flowing. I know it's so great." <laughs> 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 and and that that was that was a, a relatively early moment that I I I knew I loved this you one. You knew she was the one. <laughs> wow. This is really we, we we also saw Moby perform. We are all made of stars. I saw at Moby. the same at the yeah. same affair. That was actually one of the best songs of the whole like thing. It was way better than Eddie Vedder. I all have to. Is say. that saying much? I don't know that no, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Vedder. Speaking of of semantic any, any Vedder. Any better. His performance was uh, uh, ten minutes of of Vetter into loop pedal, which is even worse than it sounds. <laughs> that is harsh. Oh, ah, oh, 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 ah. It was. It was. Is that a karaoke warm up? <laughs> <laughs> I call this a vocal meditation. <laughs> he actually said that before no. he started. Oh no! This no. is like kind of a vocal Ugh. meditation. Oh. It was the most pretentious, worst thing I've ever seen. It was awesome. <laughs> for it's like she comedy, it. you know, like for the comedy level. Yeah, sure. It's like it's like Guy Fieri coming out and being like, "This is a uh, oh, this god, is a, this is a digestive meditation." No. <laughs> <laughs> shit. No, the, the Eddie yeah, Eddie Vedder thing was actually like SNL level. Like, wait, is this really happening? Oh my god! <laughs> Are you fucking with me? This is this is this is this is really bad, dude. Like, <laughs> I think that's his thing. Bad. I guess so. But that, that dude does not sell out. 
That's true. Well, he, he wouldn't take a cent from Boiler Room. <laughs> he doesn't need to. <laughs> like, I don't know. What's the equivalent of that? Probably Ticketmaster. I'm going hungry. Going hungry. Okay, but I do. Well, that reminds me of the 90s, so inherently I, I prefer it. So whatever's going on. Uh, so yeah, what was the, what was the third song? Sick of si- no, not sick of the dog. Uh, Temple, Temple oh, the, of the dog. No, the, the, your, your third song. Not- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my third song was Alice in Chains. Uh- <laughs> I'm sick of the dogs. I'm, I actually, yeah, I don't like dogs. I'm sick of the dogs. Um, what was my third? I don't know. Your oh, third I, song was Final Cut. Oh, I just yeah, oh, I just yeah, Final yeah. Cut as a record, like or just as existing. Final like, Cut what, was like a Jeff, it was Mills. Jeff Mills like produced. It was like, oh, yeah, it's like, okay. it was like, you know, proto industrial, like, yeah, um, kind of, yeah, kind of, it was uh, EBM proto EBM, techno. EBM proto yeah, techno. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was like Chris Connolly, like, did oh, hell yeah, vocals yeah. on I Told You Not to Stop, which is like, I have that, it's like, physical record of, I was like, damn, that's that's the one. I mean, it was just like. You Mills, know, Mills only worked with Final Cut during a initially, certain period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't during the, full, the good shit. During yeah, the good yeah, shit. Yeah. But I mean, it was I, like for me coming from like a background of like, um, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know how far we're talking about this, but like punk or like goth industrial beginnings. And really, when I was growing up, like not having really or feeling any tie to like electronic music, like that happened later for yeah. me. So like, it was kind of like later when I put this all together and it was like, honestly, like after I, you know, moved to New York and like experienced these other things. And I was like into house music. And I mean, I still am, it's not not what I play, but I still have like a love for these things. But it was sort of like just an after effect of when I realized like where all of these things coalesced. And then I was like, Whoa, what the fuck? Like this is really, you mean punk, or you mean like industrial music, or um, I, I mean, in, uh, I I mean, I meant more like do- like yeah, like industrial and darker, like right, dark, right, okay, darker things like darker wave. But then like, I guess it um it came to pass where I was you know like new beat, you know, yeah, yeah, um, uh, techno that was EBM influenced or like whatever, mm-hmm. like where where it became where where just this point where these things started to makes sense. I was kind of like retracing my lineage. Yeah. Totally. Um totally. and and that stuff that's still like very that's very formative and it's very current in my um musical influence now and my DJ style that, now. That 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 the, the final cut work is particularly uh, a, a particularly strong reminder of how fundamentally rooted in EBM Techno is ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've sure. talked about this. We've touched on it at least yeah, we, a couple we, times we before, and, and and here it's so explicit, you know. Yeah, 
Um, you, you don't have techno without EBM. Uh, you don't have Mills. Not, and not, Mills not and good. Ra- not good. Not good techno anyway. I, but I don't yeah. think of any techno. I don't. Yeah. Even, I don't think you even have bad techno without it because without. I mean, you don't have UR without without EBM. Right. You don't have Access Records without EBM. You don't have any of it. Like, but that you is, have drum code. <laughs> well, but, uh, and I think if only we could. could uh, yeah. yeah. But I think, and, and so critically though, is that EBM is one sort of like foundational aspect of what made techno. Sure. Um, one stem. Yeah, 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 one, yeah exactly. Yeah, obviously, obviously Whereas, it's not the where, only yeah, exactly. yeah. critical influence there. Where like there are some sort of things going on these days that sort of imagines a techno that kind of had EBM as a sort of soul influence. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, whereas, of, you know, people like Mills, they took in a whole lot of influences. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You hear... Um, and you hear an awful lot of disco. You hear an yeah, awful lot of yeah. jazz. You hear a lot of yeah. you know bizarre uh, you know yeah African American well, like, rhythms. Yeah, ta- and things. taking in all of taking in all of the the things that were sort of like going on at the time. Yeah. like all of the seedlings of things. Like, That's of like wait, I hear yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, not to cut you off. It but. was. It, I had actually never listened to that final cut record before, and it was really, it was really interesting to hear it in context of the Chris and Cozy, and just hearing how clearly linked they are. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was definitely trying to think of like what you know, sort of like very like form formative to my current existence as a, a DJ things, um, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, the, those all kind of hit the mark without getting like just too explicitly like industrial and gothic. Like those are things that kind of I feel like um, were bridges to no, they're, where they're, I am now. They're, they're really cool selections. If you wanted to get too industrial and gothic, I mean, would... I would have just gone off on like a skinny puppy tangent. <laughs> you know? I would have like <laughs> like that's my. I think every would've... everyone here would be pretty okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah but but I think I, I ultimately I'm glad I. I couldn't have only selected one thing, and I'm ultimately I'm glad I, I th- I feel like those three things were like super indicative of where I yeah for sure exist. You're... This is my shit. <laughs> All right, now I'm getting. <laughs> On that note, should we formally close out the episode? Yeah, I gotta make dinner. I'm fucking. I'm craving yeah, you, a Beyond. You're, you're hungry. hungry. You're hungry. I'm, I'm 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 hooked on fucking Beyond sausage, guys. It's. It's incredible. Cz, I just cannot wait until we're all in the same room together. That's I, all. I seriously, I know. I need to come to. Is that impending? New York. God damn it! Is that- I don't know. I mean, yeah, you need to come to New York. This is a this is a plug for our patrons. Um. <laughs> we're, we're the patrons that you need me to shout out. I'll put a sexier yeah. voice on. Fly, fly, fly. See, uh, yeah, Lorraine, if you can, if you can. Where, where are the names? Let me talk about. I it. don't know any. I mean, but then the people who you would name by name are the good guys. I mean, they've, they've oh, all okay. supported us. So what we need so to listen, do is we need... Listen, listeners. <laughs> Let's do it. All of you guys out there enjoying this amazing podcast, I want you guys to really think about lending your support. For Basecamp Beta. Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Slash. Slash. Basecamp Beta. Basecamp Beta. Look it up. Just go on there. Don't even worry about it. Just, just lend your support.
and give us those dollars, those sweet, sweet dollars. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. Ha, <laughs> But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.